As older adults with vision loss, we understand your fears, your frustrations, and feelings of isolation. The Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss is here to help you as you pursue the independent lifestyle you deserve. For more information, visit www.aaval-blind-seniors.org or call 916-995-3967 for more information. AAVL, a supporter of the ACB Media Network. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning or afternoon, wherever you are. Today is January 18th, and good morning to Larry Gassman, who is streaming, and good afternoon to Tim Cummings, who is our host. This is ACB History Book Discussion Group, and before we go any further, I will have uh, Tim give the spiel about what to do for muting, unmuting, uh, and raising hands. Okay, sure. Perfect. Great. Um, so if you want to, if you have a, a question and you want to raise your hand, um, if you're, if you're on the PC, it's alt Y. If you're on the phone, it's, I'm sorry. If you're on the, uh, Apple computer on the Mac, it's option Y. If you are, on the uh, app, it's under the more button. And if you're on the on the regular telephone, it's star nine. And for muting and unmuting yourselves, if you're on the PC, it's alt A. If you're on the Mac, it's command shift A. If you're on the phone, uh, you know, the app, it's in the lower left-hand corner, and if you're on the regular old telephone, it's star six. So, Thank you very much. All right. So, um, boy, this book is getting exciting. I'm like reading chapter 18 and 19 going, oh, my God, I remember this. Oh, my God. Really? This is what happened? And we were a part of history. I'm, I was just amazed. Um, and so, um, as we usually do, um, well, we are reading um, The Unseen Minority by Francis, F-R-A-N-C-E-S, middle initial A, last name K-O-E-S-T-L-E-R, copyright 1976, and that's the version on Bard. And 2004, the version on Bookshare by the American Foundation for the Blind. And as we usually do, uh, we will discuss kind of everything up to chapter 18 um, for the first part of the program. And so um, I'm entertaining uh, um, questions regarding. Um, just simply regarding the first part of the book up to chapter 18. Okay, it looks like um, Musi has her hand raised, so 
Okay. Um, okay, Lucy. Yeah, I, 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 t- Tim will announce who's who's uh, who's got their hand raised, and then I'll go ahead and call on you. Okay. And I would really appreciate if people do take advantage of the raised hand um, feature. Thank you, Lucy. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it's more of an observation on that part because mm-hmm. I I always thought that care and concern should be cut, begin with the ophthalmologist visit. And like they point out that they've tried to get information for the, you know, for their, to, for all the different options for rehabilitation and everything, but you don't get that from the ophthalmologist even now. Am I right? I believe you are correct. So what we still haven't gotten that, <laughs> which I, I mean, because when I lost my sight, I, told myself to go to rehab. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yes. that's, that's my yeah. observation. This Thank is a you. wonderful book. You're right. Thank, Thank you, Lucy. We have a lot of uh, work to do for people who, you know, think, oh, we don't need to join any organizations. We don't need to deal with anything. Everything's already the way it's going to be. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of work to do. Um, so much has gone before us, uh, and, and lest we forget, that's why I really like this book and people of vision and, and other books that, you know, give us the histories because we forget what has come before us. And it's so easy for us to take things for granted. And that's how we end up having things slip. Um, and we lose uh, traction again. Okay, we have another um, hand here, 15, oh, area code uh, 505. I bet that's yeah. Beth. <laughs> hey, good morning, Beth. <laughs> good morning. Want to rename um, her, Tim, if you can? I will, yes. Yep. Thank you. Yep, no problem. I, I don't like to go to the ophthalmologist. I hate it because my insurance wants to require you to do that once a year. Why? I'm blind from birth. It, it's not going to change anything. At 60 years old, they're not going to fix anything. You know? And I hate going over there. Oh, but you're entitled to an eye physical. I don't need one. Well, you know why, um, Beth? I think it's a good idea to go. Um, I have prostheses, double prostheses, um, but I still go. And I may not go once a year, but I will go um, because we do have uh, conditions that um, can be found um, and need to be, um, you know, looked for um, that can be seen in our um, eye slash orb um, areas and that's why because uh things are found there by the ophthalmologist it's not necessarily just about being able to see or not see so i would encourage people who i mean i'm not thrilled with going to the ophthalmologist either but i do know that they can track other things that may be happening um, that we are unaware of Oh, like, like what, like eye cancers or something? Well, yeah. 
yeah, there are there are different things that that can be seen um, and tracked by the by the ophthalmologist. Oh, okay. So just well, give you some food, food for thought. But I still don't want to go every year, though. I mean, well, every two years would be fine. Okay, you know? so go every two years, but at least go. And especially yeah. if you're not feeling well, if you know you notice any changes, uh, people who have diabetes, regardless as to whether they're, um, regardless as to whether they have uh, prostheses or their own eyes, um, people who maybe have high blood pressure, um, who have had strokes or other medical conditions, that, you know, those kinds of things can be um, uh, addressed and checked on uh, through ophthalmology. Right. Um, what caused my, like mine and my sister's blindness, which she's a high partial though, is um, something called Optic nerve atrophy. Mm-hmm. Okay. To where it didn't develop right or it doesn't right. connect. It's almost like you take a a wire to a charger and you, or a, you know what I mean? And it you split out. that that's, that sheath that's around it, but it, it connects, but it doesn't connect all the way. Right. And yeah, that's what they yeah. told my mom that the, the doctor told my mom that that's what my optic nerve looked like, but science hasn't come away with a way to plant tra- transplant yeah. nerves. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay. Well, thank any you. Other, uh-huh. Any other comments? No hands right now, uh, Christy. Nobody wants to talk about the rest of the book so far, what kind of your takeaways are from before we go into the new part. Oh, wait, no, here's another one. Hold on. Livy. Okay. Go ahead, Livy. You can unmute. Okay. Um, I just can you to, unmute, Livy? Can you unmute? Can you send her an ask to unmute? Um, yeah, I just did. Let me, uh, let me do, let me do it again. And the other thing is, make sure, Livy, when you when you came in here, that you you clicked on the got it. Uh, button because since we're recording maybe that's why um you can't unmute but okay well i'm gonna start saying hello to (laughs) you got it livy no she's still I, I keep sending her the messages, but she's still, it looks like she's still having trouble unmuting. Livy, come uh, out, go out and come back in and hit the got it button. Yeah, and then you should be able to unmute. And then I'll call on you. Hello, DJ. You are new, I believe. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. Hi, iPhone Mark. Hi, Moosey. 
Hi, Nelly. Who is 682? This is Calandra. Oh, hi, Calandra. Haven't I've seen you in a while. Before, but it's been such a long time. I know. Have you been reading this book? No, I haven't. And I plan on getting it. Is it The Unseen Minority? Yeah. And yep. it's by... Uh, Francis A. Kestler. K-O-E-S-T-L-E-R. Francis Kessler. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to order it through the state library. Yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. Okay, hopefully uh, Livy will come back in, but nobody has any comments about the book so far. We've gotten quite a way, quite a ways through the book. Um, we are uh, basically at um, like about sixty percent of the book. Um, there are twenty-seven chapters in the nineteen seventy-six version of the book, and um, in the two thousand four version. There are some timelines and things that we can uh, go over, um, but I also would like to. Um, I made it. <laughs> oh, good. I would also like to uh, see if I can get uh, with some people that have been um, um, educated about um, different things, like the guide dog uh, schools, the um, the. Um, uh, Randolph Shepard and um, other things. So, um, Livy, you wanted to make a comment, and then I if just we wanted don't... to say, um, I, I, I mean, the more you read in this book, the more our history and our lives are being explained. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we've all gone through something. That, that the author has spoken about or written about already. And these next two chapters are no, uh, you know, they're also an, a good example of that. Yes, they are. Thank you. Any other comments before we move on? All right. Well, the, the chapter 18, the theory of a three-wheeled cart, and chapter 19, mobility, key to independence. And most definitely, um, we have uh, been reading this, this week about some really big um, events and uh, uh, kind of some surprises. I thought um, just just for uh, your information, we'll be reading chapter twenty, twenty one, and twenty two for next week. So get started reading today, so you can catch up and stay caught up for next week. Um, but I would like to begin the discussion of chapter eighteen and chapter nineteen. 
Chapter 18 is basically dealing with um, uh, talking about the the, um, independent living skills that people learned through home teaching um, where they actually had um, encouraged blind people to teach other blind people. Um, and then the um, um, the centers that were the kinds of things that were used for um, teaching people in the military, the veterans, and how they uh, opened up centers for civilians for training, um, such as um, uh, those in, um, and I'm blocking on exactly where they were, so I'm going to open it up for comments. Nobody wants to share? Come on. I'm going to start calling on people. Oh, no. Hold on. Here we go. Beth's got her hand raised. Hold on a second. Okay. Okay, Beth, you can unmute. Um, I was going to say, I think we should still have a lot of those blindness skills things where like home teaching where other blind people can go in and teach other blind people because um, I know a guy right now, he applied to go to Chris Cole and because he's in his 60s, I guess he said they told him he was too old. He just lost his sight from diabetes, you know, and, and uh, we were all telling <laughs> He moved to a nursing home and um, I guess the doctor said he would help him if he could get out of there. If he would, you know, if he could apply to, and Chris Cole told him he was too old to learn blindness skills. And they said, no, you're not. Wow. That's awful. But part of, part of what that is from is because um, of the loss of the, the home teacher, rehabilitation teacher, counselor teacher program. And um, yes, I know. And I, I don't, I really don't think they should have taken that away because um, that could help even a blind person like me that that would move to a new city. Maybe you need you have all your skills, um, but you need orientation to the city. You're not born, you know, coming into a town to know where everything is. Where I think that it, it really gives short shrift is the newly blinded. Um, people who, you know, those of us, you know, we can go to other programs or we can ask other friends, um, and especially if we network, um, and there are nonprofit programs like in California, in Southern California, we have the Braille Institute. Um, and, um, you know, I don't know what other resources are available, um, to people across the country, but no. um, the people who are newly blinded and going blind, I think 
you know, my heart just goes out to them um, because of the loss of these programs. Yes. Thank, yes. Thank you, um, thank you Beth. Mm-hmm. Mine too, because I, you know, I, I, like I was telling him, you can learn. And he's like, well, they say I can't, I'm too old. And I'm like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And being that the resources aren't available in every state, um, it makes it hard because yes. if your rehabilitation agency won't help you, who will? That's usually who the doctors look to. Right. But that's why we need to also be uh, looking into resources. Um, and, you know, my question <clears throat> is, you know, counties have resource lines. There are 211 lines or the 800 numbers for county resources. But are they familiar with uh, blindness resources? Um, that would be. No, they're not. In, well, that that's fact, a rhetorical. Um, that's a rhetorical question, and 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 my comment is, people in graduate school. That would be a very um, interesting graduate project or uh, thesis to write about um, the uh, availability of uh, information um, that those county 211 lines have regarding uh, blindness and blindness resources. Thank you, um, Beth. We have other questions. Yeah, Livy's oh, next. I was just, just going to say as well, though, that um, a lot of people aren't familiar with the, the blindness resources. In fact, you know, as old as I am, they tell me, won't the school for the blind help you? Oh, no, I know. it's a school. I know, I know. Don't you have a blind society or something or a blind association? Yeah. No, no, we, uh, no, we no, have no, a no. commission, I mean, that's, but... That's, no, no, that's what's asked. Yeah. Okay. Oh, let's yeah, move. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need to move on. Thank you. Livy? Go ahead, Livy. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Let me get, ask her to unmute again. I did before, but hopefully she get the got the prompt this time. You could unmute Livy. Uh, while we're waiting for Livy, I'm going to go ahead and, and call on uh, Calandra. Sure. Yeah, let me. Yes, uh, this is Calandra. I didn't uh-huh. tell my wife that, you know, I needed to uh, uh, go on with my life and stop feeling sorry for myself. I've been blind since I was six months old, and I've been traveling and doing mobility and stuff like that since I was little. I was 19 when I was on my own, and since then, I've been able to get in contact with resources. And that's it's right. You're never too old to learn blindness skills. That's right. But what I wanted to connect y'all with, there is this service called Hadley, and it's in Winnicka, Illinois. They will send um, 
they will do a lot to help you there. There are conference calls and stuff. They got courses online. It's actually 1-800-323-4238 if you would like to get in contact with them. And they have all sorts of calls. They also have ACD, American Council of the Blind. I don't know if, if it's in their state. But it is in a few of them. So American, Amer American Council of the Blind is who we are uh, under, Calandra. Um, huh? th this is this is the community is American Council of the Blind, and we are um, we are uh, in most states. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Y'all are. That's good. Yeah. And also, they have the Lighthouse for the Blind. I don't know how many of them are familiar with it. And Texas Commission for the Blind. There are a lot of services out there. Yeah. Is that, that where you're? Is that where you're from, Kalanda? Do you live in I'm Texas? From Texas. Yeah. Okay. And Good. if they get in contact with these services. There should, in most cases, be a home teacher that could come out and help them with braille and organizing clothes and stuff like that. Okay, I've gotten well, that for a short period of time. Right, but that's not necessarily true anymore. Um, that is a service that used to be given through vocational rehabilitation, but it is not necessarily true for all states anymore. No, it isn't. I'm sorry to say that. But anyway, yeah. I just thought I'd throw those out. Let me give other people a chance. Well, thank you very much, Calandra. It looks like Livy's unmuted now, Christy. Okay, so. Livy. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Um, What's up? <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm eating my breakfast. Uh, up here in Fresno, uh, and this is where I think AAVL or CAAVL, which is the uh, Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. Um, our agency on aging up here, they refer seniors to the Valley Center for the Blind. And of course, we've got uh, most of their clientele are seniors. Then, of course, we've got resources uh, for independent um, centers for disabilities where Sarah works. And um, well, nobody knows who Sarah is. Oh, uh, Sarah Harris, our our, our our Vice, first vice president of CCB. Thank you. And so um, that's where, and they work with rehab and they, um, you know, you go for an evaluation and all that stuff. And then they uh, um, get you started with blindness skills. Thank you, Livy. Yeah. Um, there, there is, there are services available. Um, it is not equal in every state. And, um, I can't remember what the I stands for. Nelly, can I have you come off mute for a minute? I just asked her to unmute. Okay, uh, here I am. Hi. 
So the, the OIB, um, can, you, can you talk a little bit about OIB and, and also talk about your experience um, under um, what you received in, um, in services as well as what you provided uh, as a counselor teacher? Okay. Um, well, uh, starting with the OIB program in California, it's older individuals who are blind. Thank you. And this is funded um, through um, the uh, federal government gives um, money for these programs to uh, each of the states. And then the states um, um, create um, pr the program and the money is um, given in the form of grants to agencies that apply for the um, older individuals for the blind funding. And in those programs, they provide um, adjusting to vision loss services, um, such as um, information and referral, um, counseling, um, basic uh, uh, training in um, um, daily living skills, and uh, when uh, they have sufficient funding and it's available, they do uh, provide technology training and orientation and mobility training. And so uh, those are um, available to individuals who are over 55, and um, they're usually very time-limited services. Uh, it does not include... Um, purchasing of um, major devices such as closed-circuit TVs and such. Um, when uh, State of California used to have a, a counselor-teacher program, which uh, is called Rehab Teaching in other states, originally it was with the Department of Education, and um, the teachers would go into uh, the home of a newly blind person and um, connect them with the resources in the community, um, teach um, basic independent living skills such as, um, you know, how to function in the home, how to safely prepare meals, um, organizing um, clothing, um, some basic um, orientation and mobility um, indoors and just in the immediate um, surroundings of the home so that the person uh, would be able to be safe. And um, uh, then if they still needed additional services and if they were going to um, um, think in terms of employment, then they would be referred uh, for a vocational case with the California Department of Rehab. Uh, then the, the program was um, transferred from the Department of Education to Department of Rehab. And the initial thinking was to give parity to the uh, um, counselor teachers so that they would get uh, paid on a similar level with rehabilitation counselors. Yeah, because they were not being paid very well at all. Well, no, they were being paid the same as rehabilitation counselors in the beginning. But um, in the Department of Education, they were getting paid a lot less. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, but um, putting them in with the Department of Rehabilitation left that program open to being just gradually eroded away. 
And then finally, when um, when SB 105 uh, was passed um, in California, in California, it was done away with. Mm -hmm. So we still were providing services because um, homemaker plans were um, still um, a viable vocational uh, objective. But um, um, after a while, um, in 2014, that was done away with through Congress when they did the um, Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, WIOA, uh, did away with the homemaker cases. And, um, you know, that was a, a very huge disservice, not only to um, persons who were blind and older, but also to persons um, who were in the um, um, regional center and, um, you know, had um, disabilities uh, that um, were covered through the regional center services. So um, anyway, um, I received, um, um, before my, my career, um, while I was going to school in, well, in New York, um, through Department of Rehab in New York. Um, I didn't receive much, but I received the most important thing, and that was uh, a payment of uh, uh, college uh, uh, expenses. And, you know, without that help, I would have only been able to go to a uh, junior college and... Um, you know, barely be able to afford that. But because of the help through uh, the Department of Rehab in New York, I was able to go to Long Island University, which, uh, um, uh, you know, provided a, a, a more comprehensive education during the time that I was there. And they um, assisted me by providing low vision aids, and they provided um, a cane, and I received a Braille writer and a cassette recorder. And that was the sum total of um, the services that I received back then. Um, and of course, more recently, Department of Rehabilitation in California was um, sending people to rehabilitation residential training programs, uh, such as uh, the Orientation for Center for the Blind and um, uh, Wayfinders and sometimes out-of-state ones, such as the Colorado um, um, Training Center, um, which uh, was much more costly, but, but if there was sufficient justification, then um, Department of Rehab in California would pay for that. They would also pay for uh, transportation uh, when going into a training program and pay for um, many devices that are related to um, adjustment to vision loss. Um, kitchen devices, as well as mobility devices and electronic devices such as CCTVs. So, um, you know, the services evolved in certain ways and uh, they uh, got worse in other ways. Thank you so much for your explanation. I know that um um, I came along a little bit later, and my my vocational rehabilitation counselor basically made me, told me I had to go to um, uh, an orientation center. And I went to Wayfinders, which at that time was 
to the Foundation for the Junior Blind and called the Vocational Independence Program. And I said, fine, well, I'm going only for this through the summer. I'm not missing school. So I crammed my orientation um, and, and blind skills um, into two and a half months. And uh, um, it was quite interesting. Um, when I was reading in the chapter, it talked about uh, the psychological aspect, and I couldn't stand the psychologist who um, I remember we sat on the couch and this guy sat behind us um, at, a, um, at, a, at a counter on a stool, which um, as a therapist, I just cringe at that. Um, if, if I was conducting that, um, that session, those sessions, I would have sat in the circle with the clients. Um, but uh, based on probably, he was probably more uh, Freudian. And, um, and uh, so he probably felt that, believe, believed that uh, being separate was better. Um, but I didn't like the sessions and um, I, uh, I got out of them. Because I said, look, I don't have that much time. So I concentrated on um, the cooking and other independent living skills and orientation and mobility. Um, I, too, went to the Department of Rehabilitation and I was paid. Um, my part of my tuition was paid for. Um, for a university because I went to a private university. Um, what I noticed in the, um, in the book, it talked about how people had, some home teachers had very little education and they tried to, um, to uh, regulate what was expected. Um, and um, they, they connected uh, the schools of social work and a, a two-year program uh, for, for people, for especially blind people to get um, more uh, credentialed, I guess. And um, basically then what happened was an uh, AAWB was not happy. The American Association of Workers for the Blind was not happy and neither were the blindness organizations because um, what, what ended up happening is that more and more of the home teaching was being done by sighted people who did not understand what it feels like um, to be blind and what it means to be blind. Any comments? Was I the only one excited about these chapters? Oh, Beth got her hand up. Hold on. You don't okay. have to ask her to unmute. She can unmute. Okay. Yeah. Beth? Go ahead, That's Beth. what I've noticed here about, about New Mexico. When I went to 
rehab and, and stuff, the DVR or Commission for the Blind, it was pretty good when I went to the orientation center and I learned my mobility skills and independent living skills, cooking, personal management and stuff. Um, and uh, some of the teachers were sighted, but some of them were blind. But I noticed that some of the sighted teachers, they didn't understand what it meant to be blind. And um, there were young kids like me coming right. out of college. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they were more our friends than our teachers. It was, yeah. you know, and um, I, I don't, well, I know they really didn't understand what it was like to be blind and they um, especially the older blind they didn't know how to teach them and things like that because when you're younger you're more resilient and you could say no you you kind of do it this way you know from what we learned in the school and um, and so they I mean they winged it but um, uh, it didn't always work out that way and then um, through the years, just a minute. Hello. How about the budding romances that take place? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, I had somebody I know, at the door. Right, I know of several people um, who were in the training programs and actually ended up in relationships with uh, the, the uh, employees. Yeah, go ahead and yes, that happened too. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, no. I was just going to say they winked it, and um, but they they really didn't. I felt that a disservice was done to especially the older blind because they didn't understand what it was like to be blinding. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Beth. And uh, Musi's Musi's next. Okay. Yeah. You see, are you calling on me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We are. Well, I I actually uh, did have to hire a driver, and I made home visits with the Insight program. You know, which is infant to uh, preschool, and it was very very valuable. Everyone, you know, there was a, it was an hour visit. It was divided into fifteen minute segments. It and it you know this was in the nineties, and. Um, so I think it's important to visit the home. And I was a home visitor for, but see what happened is I had five little clients and they all aged out and there were no more new. So oh. I didn't have any more clients. So I had to oh. move on. That's sad. You know, yeah, no, I, it, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Excuse me. It is very important for, um, for homes to be visited. I mm -hmm. know that as a vocational counselor, um, I visited homes and I found out through home visits um, that one of my clients had a serious drinking problem. Actually, uh -huh. it, was a, it was the mate of the client. Uh -huh. um, and I also, um, because of in-person in visits, found out that someone was being um, tw two people were being physically abused by their partners. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. mm. 
Um, it looks like Chanel is next. Go ahead. Chanel? Chanel? Yeah, I was listening on the stream and so um, on the ACB media. And, oh, thanks um, for coming in. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I haven't done the reading. That's why I don't always come in because I should, I know it's sounds absolutely fascinating. Don't and show I, it on yourself. <laughs> I know. I just always do that. But my life is a whole long list of shoulds. But, um, you know, just <laughs> talking about the training and that's very interesting that your counselor made you do the training before college. And Herbie and I have this continuous debate about whether a blind person should do the adjustment to blindness training, or I think it's called different things, different places. Mm -hmm. You know, Herbie had gone to school for the blind for a year or two, like as a junior and senior in high school, but really benefited more from the occupational training center in Seattle where he went, um, I, on the other hand, you know, my mom tried to teach me many skills at home, but I was on the academic track. So things had to be, you know, early admit, uh, admission, financial aid, SAT, all that stuff had to be done. You know, it just didn't seem like there was much room in the course of things for taking out time for a, a program um, in my senior year of high school, like the summer right before college, I was in a program called Bridge where, you know, they put you in a college class, but I'd already been doing that for two years. Um, you know, they had programs for high schoolers who are blind to learn uh, to do work, but I was, you know, kind of too young for those. And then I'd started the summer um, course, college courses. So it's just a whole, you know, and then Book rehab, you know, I found like in Washington State and Minnesota, I could make a case for here's what I need, why I needed things, here's what I want to do, X, Y, and Z. Um, in Texas, I felt like, you know, I had to, once I finally finished my schooling and, you know, had my bachelor's and I, I'd been to all different places, but they wanted to put me in this you know, entry-level triage position and employee service in this workforce solutions. And, you know, it is good to have an intro, but I'd had, you know, internships doing, you know, as an assistive technology instructor and just, just different things like that. So they were trying to stick me in a position one below me too. Yes, I do struggle with spatial orientation. I can get orientation mobility training, but that's not really, even if I was to a wide open space would just not do well for a totally blind person. Anyway, I could go on and on, but <laughs> which may not be relevant to your book, but um, those were just my comments. And it's just interesting how voc rehabs and agencies differ across the country. Well, yes, my, my counselor wanted me to go in before I went to college, but I didn't um, because I was going to university. And so between my freshman and sophomore year is when she told me, I'm not paying for your sophomore year unless you go so that's why i ended up going between the, the in that summer and like and, you at first i went to a private university so <laughs> most of it was covered by you know scholarship financial aid and um so the services for the blind yeah paying a mere pittance compared to what it <laughs> the whole cost was uh when i started out but yeah anyway thank you Any other hands? 
Um, not at the moment. Let me okay, let's yeah. let let's jump to chapter two because I mean, um, chapter two, chapter nineteen with the guide dogs and mobility. Um, I I was very interested in that chapter, um, mm-hmm. and what stood out to me was that um, they had been using uh, dogs in the in the military for veterans. They had been using dogs in France with a system that really kind of didn't go anywhere. They had been using dogs in, uh, I guess, Switzerland and and, uh, in Germany. And then also with the cane techniques, um, they said, you know, blind guys used to use uh, branches and tree stumps and stuff, you know. So, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And then they talked about how some of the techniques are today the same as some of the earlier adopted techniques. Um, And they specifically talked about Hoover and Heinz. And we know the Heinz break method, that if you, if somebody grabs your arm, you, you turn your arm and you, and they either have to let go or they, or you break their arm, (laughs) the Heinz break method um, to, um, to hold on to their elbow. Um, and the Hoover technique, you know, what we do is the Hoover with our cane, right? So I, I thought the, that was quite interesting. And the way they described Morris Frank and Dorothy Harrison Hustis, I thought that was uh, an interesting uh, mm-hmm. section to read. And then it talked about the, the differing uh, guide dog schools, including how there were like a zillion. Um, guide dog schools in California until a law passed in 1948 to stop that. And I remember my the school I went to in 1976 was International Guiding Eyes, which became um, uh, Guide Dogs of America um, and now is Guide Dogs of America slash Tender Loving Canines or something like that. Yeah. Um, they, use, yep. they do other training. Um, Wait, hands raised? No hands. You've got about 10 minutes left. Um, okay, if you want to talk, raise your hand, please. Oh, Livy's got her hand raised. Okay. Okay, Livy. Go, go ahead. I just. Yeah, well, I, um, and I can dovetail with the, uh, you know, the training. When I was in high school, you know, my they, they didn't deal with me. At first, they dealt with my parents and they told, you know, my parents told me, well, you're going to get money from blah, 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 you know, from the government and all this stuff. And then Fenway Hush. And then, um, you know, they they put me in a job right after high school and then they sent me, shipped me off to OCB and I went there and then then I started college. Well, when it came time for, you know, guide dog. Uh, at the time in the 80s, when I started to lose my vision in my right eye and had some issues and had to have surgery and such, I didn't want to go to guide dog school because I was scared of big dogs. So I figured, you know, that's not it's not for me. Then, of course, later down the, the line, you know, it it I had to, you know, I, I decided to go to to GDA. And I know Margie. Donovan has said many times, I've heard her talk at, at meetings, that eventually uh, GDA is going to 
they're going to end up just doing therapy dogs and not guide dogs. And, um, you know, that's, that's really sad, but, um, you know, and then of course the differences between all of the schools and I didn't know about these Heinz or Hoover deals. Um, I think I know what the Heinz is. Is that when they put the arm behind their, um, their back? No, no, no it's when they grab onto your arm and you push, twist your arm back to grab onto their elbow and they have to let go or their arm's going to break. Oh, okay. Okay. <coughs> I don't think I was trained that, but anyway. Really? Yeah. Uh-uh. It's a oh, lifesaver. Nope. I, I wasn't how, how do you get people to let go? Well, usually I'll say, um, you know, when I, if somebody wants to help me, I say, can I take your elbow? Right. But if they've and, already grabbed onto your arm, you just twist your arm back to grab onto theirs and they have to let go. Okay. Someone's going to have to show me what that technique is. Cause I, if I, I ever wouldn't... get to see you again, Libby, I will. <laughs> okay. We'll do it yeah. at the next CCB convention. We'll have a great big chorus line. That's right, in the Heinz break method. Yep. There, you, right. there you go, Larry. That's right. All right. Thank you, Libby. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have hands raised. I'm yeah, we well. do. Um, Calandra looks like Calandra's next. Go ahead, Calandra. You can unmute. Pretty quickly, because we only yes. have a few minutes left. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, here I am. Uh I've been taught that in mobility when I was about 15 or 16 years old. I had a mobility teacher named Philip Johnson at the time. Um, and, yeah, you have no choice but to let go. They, but I find it easier to say, you know, uh, I'll take your arm or your shoulder if you want to help me. But sometimes I forget. And as far as guide dogs are concerned, I I don't know how many of you listen to books with guide dogs in them, but there is this book called uh, Eyes at My Feet by Jesse Hickford. And I think it's on Bard. You can get it. And if you want to learn more about, you know, guide dogs and guide dog schools and stuff like that. I always wanted to get a guide dog, but I wouldn't know the first thing about it. So I don't know it. The more I hear about it, the the more interesting it gets. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you, Calandra. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Beth. You're next. I like, um, I went to Guide Dogs of the Desert and International Guiding Eyes. In, you're talking about the one in Los Angeles, right? With Eric? Uh, yeah, the one that was with, with Eric and it, and became Guide Dogs of America. Yeah, I, and now it's in I liked Soma. both of those. And um, I ended up getting a, a dog with Eric. And um, she was very, very nice, but... Um, I thought sometimes she was a little bit too hard on the clients. <laughs> and because um, she was very authoritarian. But what I was going to say also is that um, what I didn't, the rehab services here in New Mexico, sometimes 
they didn't check out a lot of the things like if your if your rehab office was in Albuquerque, well, when I went to college in Las Cruces, I had to call him up and I told him I cannot stay in my counselor. I cannot stay in this motel. It has bugs. Oh, well, it shouldn't. And I'm like, it does. It's on the outside of the city limits. And oh, no. So I, I got another one. My dad helped me get another one. But then they wanted him to pay for it. And I'm like, no, you said you were going to. And stuff like that, or these young girls coming out of high school, they would put them in apartments, but they didn't. At that time, some some blind people didn't have any social skills, and uh, mm-hmm. so young men would take advantage of, right. of them. Right. Thank and you. That's we have, really, but I didn't. Yeah, we have care two, for about our rehab thing. Two more hands left, and only. Yeah, uh, four minutes. So yeah, Moosey's next, you, and then Larry. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted—I was astounded how hard it is to be uh, a trainer. There were five hundred applicants that started the program, and only five graduated. Remember, that was in right. The, yeah, that's all because it, and it's two or three years apprentice. I mean, they—they ha- they know what they're doing, and I admire that. And uh, they're right; those dogs are so intelligent. <laughs> And in America, we just, you know, don't, we pamper them and make them house pets and they want to work. Yes, they That's do. All. Thank you, Macy. And and the other thing that astounded me that it said that only 2% of people who could use guide dogs do. Uh, and there you are. Larry. Larry. I'll do this in about 30 seconds. You're talking about uh, when someone grabs your arm. I think probably this happened a little later. This happened to me in the 90s because I often still have people grab my arm and I'll take my left hand, grab their wrist firmly and bring them forward and then go sided guide and I'll take their arm. And it's it's not so much of a reflex or jerk to grab their arm and break it. It's more of this is this is how I would best feel comfortable doing it, and it's very easy for me. And that's the way I do it. Mm-hmm. Thank I, you. I can amend that if you'd like for next time, but that's what I do so far. Uh, well, this it's not a jerk. No. Um, yeah. It's not the hind break is not a jerk. It is. Um, it's just. A simple reaching back and it's not you're trying to break their arm but it's basically when they when your elbow goes up they and you're taking their arm they they have to let go yeah yeah same basic thing same basic yeah yeah Yeah. so next week we're going to talk the watershed years chapter 20 Little Things That Make a Big Difference, Chapter 21. Chapter 22 is One World. So those are what we're going to discuss next week. Again, I thank Tim Cummings, our host, Larry Gassman, our streamer, and this is Christy Crespin, uh, uh, ACB History Book Discussion Group for January 18th. Thank you very much and blessings to you all.